I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Lone Star House of Design, a podcast about legendary design from the great state of Texas. This episode features creative icon, Kyle Bunting. Kyle Bunting transformed the idea of hide rugs into a symbol of luxury. Such a simple idea, really, but not easily done. The, the original source for rugs and decor, tanned hides, right? Bunting has reimagined these into objects with intricate design, shocking colors, masterful production, and turned into bespoke objects of design luxury. This is truly an example of, of something so simple turned into something truly unique and wonderful. This is a conversation with Kyle Bunting about crafting objects of art for the home, true Texan style, and building a design business. Speaking of building your design business, you need to get new perspectives all the time so you can see in real time how the industry is changing, how to find inspiration, and just to keep you going, especially now, it's so important. Please make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode of Convo by Design or Lone Star House of Design or some really exciting and entertaining new shows that you might not be familiar with. You can find the show everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And now you can find Convo by Design uh, and other really interesting shows, design and architecture shows on designnetwork.org. Check it out. My first experience with Kyle Bunting was back in... um, 2012, I produced my my first ever design house, and uh, it was so great. It was called Small Space, Big Style with a local magazine, and mm-hmm. my it was a 1,400 square foot pen, uh, penthouse in Hollywood, and the designer that I had working on the living room was Christopher Kennedy, and oh, Christopher... This so Kyle. This room, I, I, it's funny because we're on. You're on the phone, so I can't show you. But this mm-hmm. room was. I know you've seen it. It was magnificent. Um, Seventeen foot high ceilings. Warner Brothers uh, shop services, studio services did this custom painted graphic for Christopher that was sort of a, a '70s throwback. It was just the room was so spectacular, and he he anchored it with an absolutely gorgeous and amazing Kyle Bunting rug. And I, I remember the room really well. I do you? And so, so Kyle, that was, that was my first experience. And, and I remember thinking at the time, and I maintain that, I, that, that thought today, that it was just so intriguing and interesting to me that here you have a, a design product, a, a, a work of art, really, that is just so spectacular, but it, it was completely rooted in basically pro- the, the first ever service or product ever designed for rug, and that's, that's a hide, right? So mm-hmm. you have the, the most basic of elements in the materials put together with the artistry to create something so magnificent. And I think it's really interesting too, how this all started, you know, and it started with a, with a custom piece from your dad that's sitting on, on the wall in your studio. And I was wondering if maybe you'd tell the story. Uh, I'd be happy to. So um, let me start off by um, uh, saying a couple of things that I think are, you know, on my mother's hit list of be the gentleman that you are. Um, first, I want to thank you for inviting us to participate in this. Uh, you know, when you do this kind of business, one of the one of the things that uh, I'm responsible for is you know is evangelizing uh, the work we do, and uh, opportunities like this are always appreciated. So uh, I'm grateful for you uh, hosting us, and I'm also grateful for you trying to put a spotlight on things that are happening in the Lone Star State that uh, I think the world uh, would appreciate hearing about. Um, as it relates to that project with Christopher, I think it's a an insight into the type of things we do in the business. Uh, I remember the design. It's a mid-century design. Uh, it's called Metro. It has an art deco element to it, if you will. It was um, large and round, and it had, I think, about seven or eight colors in it. Um, kind of looked like a kind of looked like a linear uh, arrangement of Skittles, the candies. <laughs> 
It was, um, that's right. That's right. And it, it was, it was like a tonally interesting hip Skittles bag. Um, and Christopher, of course, is an incredibly talented designer in, in Palm Springs, whom I've worked with a lot and I'm real fond of. And, uh, and, and I think that, that this is the kind of project that is, is kind of an insight into the business. And then if I can relate it back to how we started, it'll all kind of make sense. But, but we really built something that allows designers the freedom and the creativity to um, take what we kind of started and modify it and turn it into something that they can call their own and that they can feel represents um, in many instances, a better version of what we originally saw. Uh, we've always kind of had that um, in our ethos that we really rejected that idea of, you know, not invented here. You know, if, if we didn't do it, it wasn't any good. We, we, we thought we're better off by building something that designers can embrace and modify in a myriad of ways. We're much better doing that than we are trying to hold on to certain fixed colorways or dimensional standards and telling them this is how you buy it and this is what we do, which I think has been part of what's made us successful. Um, I, I think that, um, um, you know, you, you had asked me about the history behind the business and it, 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 it in the most succinct form, um, when I was a, a young man, you know, eight, nine years old, my, my father who was kind of had a textile background and my mother who had a, a furniture making background, both of them central North Carolinian people. Um, they kind of cooked up this idea where my father was making these decorative hide panels and they would lay them on tabletops and they would do, you know, um, wall coverings and different art pieces. And here I was like, you know, just a little guy watching my father do this in the garage of our house in um, uh, Irving, Texas, suburb of Dallas. And I remember um, a client came to him one day and said, um, you know, could you make uh, a rug out of what you do. So lo and behold, in literally 1978, I'm, I'm 10 years old and um, my father makes a decorative hide carpet out of small pieces that are not stitched together, that are seamed. And he, he made two rugs for this man. And I remember the guy couldn't get them when he thought he was going to get them. So my dad just laid them in the living room of our house and we kind of walked around and looked at them for like two or three weeks while we waited for this man to come pick them up. And um, they always kind of resonated with me as everything he did. I thought that was the, that was the product that, that really stood out as the wow factor for whatever reason. I think it had to do with um, a little bit with the way that the product was horizontal but yet it was flat so it worked with light coming into the room from a variety of different angles and as you went in into the room from one door or out from another or approached the carpet from different directions you saw how the the light worked with the hide and it was just so interesting and, and invigorating to see it um, have so much body and movement as in, 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 in the tactile nature of the material kind of come to life. And, and what was at the time, squares and rectangles and triangles, kind of a, a Western-ish motif, a very elementary design. And um, lo and behold, uh, you know, literally 20 years later, um, I'm living in San Francisco, California. Um, I had been in the design business kind of um, buying and renovating um, you know, residential property and kind of trying to sell it and make a profit, that kind of thing. And um, uh, I had experience prior to that in television production. And one of the things we learned in production was, you know, working with clients to give them a lot of latitude to create um, media was really um, a give and take that got a lot better product. And um, I was um, working on a project where I had, um, needed a carpet. Um, I went to a showroom at the design center at the time it was Agnes Bourne. Agnes Bourne is what is now DeSouza Hughes, incredibly successful and amazing showroom in San Francisco. 
And um, I went through the process of, of, of ordering and learning about how to specify a, a hand-tufted carpet. And the object of my desire was something made by Christopher Farr. And um, when you kind of look at custom rugs, you're like, well, this is the pattern. This is the size. These are the colors. You can make these changes. You get a sample first. It takes like two months. It comes from Nepal, you know, all these different elements. I was um, just fascinated by the way the business worked. And as a business person, I was a little bit frustrated that I saw some um, um, timeline variables and service variables that made it seem like the process was a little bit um, antiquated. And, um, and it was just kind of my observation of it. Um, so I had the carpet, I lived with it for two or three years. Uh, then literally in August of 2001, I kind of woke up in the middle of the night and I had one of my father's art pieces on a wall and hide, stepped out of bed, put my feet on the rug, and I just froze still. I looked down at the car, the carpet from Christopher Farr. I looked up at the hide piece and I said, wait a second. What about that rug my father had made 20 some years ago? What if we created decorative carpets out of hide like Chris Farr does, but we used hides like my father had and we created something really interesting. I wonder if anything, nothing like that has ever existed. I was pretty sure that I'd never seen it. And um, uh, lo and behold, I jumped on an airplane, caught up with my father, said, you got to show me how to do this. And um, a few months later, I had prototypes. I was in the French decorator show house, which is now Kipps Bay in New York. And by uh, Christmas, I had an order for a $16,000 carpet for a decorator in Brooklyn. And I was in the game. And that's what happened. What year is this? 2001. Next year is our 20th anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I, I love that story. Um, and it's, it's interesting too. I, I, I love hearing you tell it. What I find so interesting and so cool about this is that this is, you know, there's inspiration from San Francisco, you know, roots in North Carolina, but you, this is really Texas born. And, um, I love that, that you're from Irving because um, the first place we lived when we moved to, to Texas was, uh, was Valley Ranch. And um, oh, yes, yeah, so I lived in Las Colinas. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I worked in Las Colinas. That's where the radio station was. So I, I love it. Um, so interesting because when, when I, and that's one of the reasons for Lone Star House of Design, because when people think about Texas, I think they sort of think about it from outside Texas, right? As it relates specifically to design, interiors, architecture, culture. I, I think they think of two things. First is, is extremely rural. And then I think people think of Irving, Texas, where you have house after house after house. It's all brick. Um, it's, it's, very, it's very homogenous. In the, in the way that it looks. So you don't think first and foremost about design and architecture and what comes out of, out of there. And I think what's, what's so cool about this is the, the materials that you're using, the way that they're being put together and the, the product that's coming out now. And I think it's also interesting too, that you've expanded from rugs to wall coverings to furniture. And I'm curious as you, as you look at this, the, the putting together the colorways, everything that goes into this is, is extremely artistic. And I'm curious, was there any pushback to the, to the idea of Hyde when you first launched this? No, you know, it's interesting um, uh, as a material, you know, Hyde is just, a form of leather that happens to be tanned in a way where it, it's not default, default where the hair comes out. So it, it while it may look and, and, and kind of have elements of it that makes you want to feel as if it's kind of in the same categories of fur regarding sensitivity to material, this is another piece of leather, which is one of the most sustainable elements we have on the planet. Leather's been around forever and, and it's a renewable, renewable resource. 
So, you know, I've had um, really, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised, truth be told, very, very little, um, almost no adversarialism, if you will, about the material. And in fact, we've kind of, I think we've had an opportunity to be a little bit of an educational component and people have really embraced what we do. Um, and I think, you know, what's been more interesting is kind of some of the comedic um, elements that come out of that. I, uh, I once had a client who, <laughs> I once had a client in um, Arizona who was, the designer had specified one of our carpets her client wanted to buy it, but she was a little bit hesitant. And she asked me to call her client and talk to her and, you know, kind of, you know, make her feel more comfortable with buying one of our rugs. So I'd be happy to. And uh, so we got on the phone, we talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then, you know, I finally said, Hey, so, you know, what's going on? What, what seems to be the problem? How can I help? And um, she, uh, she said, well, you know, I, um, I want to get the rug, but I'm just kind of, a little uncomfortable. So what's that? She goes, well, like you live in Texas, right? I said, sure. And this kind of feeds into the stereotype you're talking about. And she said, so when I order this, do you kind of have a ranch and you kind of go out and, you know, I <laughs> sew in the five or six that you need for my rug. And you know, I just don't want to make a purchase knowing somebody's going to go meet their maker that afternoon. And I was like, Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. I did this. Yeah. So I kind of explained how the leather business works, where the materials come from, you know, they're European in origin. This has been going on for thousands of years, et cetera. And we, uh, you know, we, we, we made carpet for, her. but uh, it, it did kind of, it kind of turned into a funny thing here. Cause I said, you know, it's not like that, but if it were, could you imagine me trying to get, you know, every year, all the yellows and blues together because I needed some greens and to try to get the reds and the blues together because I was light on purple, you know, and she kind of got the primary color joke and we had a good laugh about it. Um, but uh, it, 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 it has been, it's been really kind of a, a fun, more of a fun thing for us. And it's been, a, to, to call it a, a non-issue wouldn't be accurate, but it's been as, as close to a non-issue as I could, as I could have imagined. Oh my gosh, that's that's hilarious! You didn't you could have asked her if she wanted to name them, you know, when you went yeah, out. Sure. You know, could yeah, sure. Anything. Yeah. Um, but I think that's. <laughs> let me say this. I, I I think that's part of that stereotype about who are you, where are you at, and and what I would say is you know that this is kind of this misnomer about Texas design. I mean, the dynamicism in Texas design is it's a very broad spectrum of really interesting work, and I think you know for me. Um, and Kyle Bunting and what we do, there's no place on earth that this brand would fit in better than being in Austin, right? It's Texas, it's unique, a little bit quirky, um, creative, um, a little bit outside of the, the standard step, but it has a, an element of, of a, a Texacana in that it is Hyde and there's that rusticity to it. And if you were gonna make a business plan that said, we're going to create a business that does what I do and choose where to put it. The, the brand consultants will go, you should put in Austin, Texas. That's a cool place to say this kind of thing happens. And, you know, lo and behold, we're here. It would be a very different business if we were located in, you know, Fargo or in Marin County, or if we were in, you know, Palm, Palm Beach. It just, it just wouldn't feel the same. So well, we're happy to hear here. Yeah, no, it, it's so f interesting that you say that because it, it, it truly it would it would lose it would lose that sense of authenticity. I I think ba backing up a second, what I, what I think is so interesting is that you're absolutely I, I believe you're absolutely correct that that Austin really is the perfect place for you and your business. But it, it's the reasons behind it. One of the things that I love about Austin, Texas, is when you look at a city that really does have and and you talk about quirky and weird and austin definitely does fit that bill but it has one foot firmly planted in the past and and an eye ever ever present on the future and i think that's evident by how the city itself has sort of morphed and changed and developed i, I think i mentioned i have family in houston and i lived in dallas for nine years and so being in southern california every other year or so, you know, it's interesting in post-COVID times how that might change for greater frequency, but we make a road trip 
I make a road trip, you know, I take one kid one way and the other kid back and we drive out there. And every year we try to go places where we've never been before. But Austin is one of the places that we always go to because you can never, you always see more. There's always something new to see. It's like, I never knew that that building was there. It's like, oh yeah, it's been there for 200 years, but you never really noticed it. Um, before because there's other things to see. But Austin really is one of those cities where there's been a conscious effort to preserve certain parts of the the city's history and other parts where it's like a a conscious effort has been put towards um, moving forward and developing. And And I'm curious you know you've been there for a while if if that's what you've seen or is if that's an outsider's view. Um, well, ask me a little bit more narrow or what exactly do you mean by that? No. So specifically, I guess is it, this relates back to, um, your, your commentary on the, the, the feeling about Texas and sort of the stereotypes about Texas. Austin really is one of those cities where if you look, you can find, classic Texas in architecture, in design, in people, in feel, in style, but you can also Mm -hmm. find a a city of the future, a city that has uh, established itself as ready, willing, and able to move into what's, what's next. And I, I don't, I think that's special. I don't think that you find that everywhere. Yeah. What, what happened with Austin, which is kind of interesting is, you know, Austin was always um, the place um, when I first came here, which was back in the late 80s, and I went to the University of Texas, um, was like everybody loved Austin, but you couldn't live there because you couldn't earn a living. It really? was, um, yeah, it was overwhelmingly the university and government jobs, mm. you know, and, you know, some banks and real estate and just normal stuff, but the economy was not very interesting or dynamic or diversified, okay? And then along came, um, you know, Dell Computer and all these technology companies in, in the 80s and the 90s, and all of a sudden you're kind of like, okay, now we have, you know, the university, which is a very big deal. We have the government because it's the capital city. We have a technology sector. Wow, now the economy is really ramping. And now you have all sorts of other interesting things. So, you know, between the music and the creativity in this community here and the, the topography, you know, is different than other parts of the state. It has rolling hills and it's green and lakes and rivers, this kind of thing. It, it has become a place where not only can you go and live there and earn a living, but you can actually thrive. And so, you know, this is why Austin's like, you know, the number one city in America for God knows how many years running by all these reports and the economy's booming and housing is up like, you know, a gazillion fold in the last decade because it's, um, it, it really is a great place to be. What's been interesting is it's not about the macro economy of Texas and the micro economy of Austin, but what's been really interesting is that, is that, you know, Austin's been, a really um, creative force in, in my opinion in Texas design because it was truer to the, the fundamental like elements of being Texas than other parts of the state were because it was still smaller. Like it wasn't Houston and Dallas. It hadn't become a major city, international city. It, it, it's still not. So it had kind of that, that Texas element, but it had all this new energy coming in. And so the, the level of creativity in the city was much higher in my opinion than it was per capita than other areas, which is kind of why we moved here. Plus I wanted to live here because it's so great, but, but we've learned, you know, over the course of the last, I want to say 16 years, because I've been here that long with the business, you know, I've had thousands of people work for me, you know, people work in the studio, they work for a few years, they quit, you know, they go on. We've had all these people turn through here, and I'm amazed at the, the level of education, how, how educated they are, and the creativity of the available workforce. And, and that to us has been a huge boon, but you see it, the same thing in the design community. You see designers blending in some of those most sophisticated international artwork and furniture designs, whether they're American, Italian, Danish, whatever they may be, 
with like um, products that are coming from Asia and even homespun things such as antiques or the kind of um, more couture work like what we do. And you're just kind of seeing this really uh, interesting creative energy that pulls together what I think best represents here, you know, the essence of this, of what's available in the state. And that's, um, I mean, it's just a, it's a golden age to be doing design work in Austin, Texas right now. In, in Austin in particular, absolutely. In general, in Texas, what would you say is the, is the, is the state of, of the industry of design? And, and here's, here's what I mean specifically, because I think it's interesting, you know, you had mentioned a, sort of a technology side to Austin. So you've got Roundtop where Dell is, and you've also got a company like Thermosol, which, which does modern you know, steam showers for the design and architecture space based in Austin. Then outside of that, you know, you've got Houston, which has a completely different feel, and Dallas, which has a completely different feel, even from Fort Worth, which is, which is so close. You've got Roundtop, you've got Marfa, you've got Big Bend, you've got so many, you've got Fredericksburg, you've got so many different sides um, of exposure to different elements, kind of like how, how you mentioned, you know, you've got German roots in the hill country. What, what would you say is the overall state of design as it relates to the design talent of, of the designers coming out of there? I know that, that, you know, that architecture too, some amazing architects are coming out of Texas, but I always found that a, a design community is only as strong as the designers who make up that community and the events that that happen in and around that community and sort of the creativity and and what's emanating from there um you know the the state as a whole i am curious as to your 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 view because you see it firsthand you probably see more texas designers than anyone we probably do i mean uh uh, I'd like to think we do. Uh, David Sutherland would, would say, not so fast, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, he uh, I think if, you know, when you look at our state and you look at this kind of design community, this, this to the trade element, if you will, uh, the, the kings and queens are the Sutherlands, and that's probably not going to change anytime soon. I have such respect for David and Ann. They, they probably wear that, but I might be, uh, I might be a prince in the court of some type who really um, does have his finger on what's happening in the community. And, and I think that um, what's been really interesting is, um, you know, this type of design work typically happens in cities, right? People with the affluency to afford these type of projects are, are usually, you know, that's where they make their home. And so we've, um, you know, when you when you look at our, our state, there are places that are your uh, your major hubs. You know, Houston's uh, one of the largest cities in America, and it is surprisingly to those that don't know about it. Um, not only is it the energy capital of the world, which energy is obviously pretty important to us, but I mean, Houston's a thriving international city. People from all over the world live there, and it's much more cosmopolitan in its art scene and its culinary scene um, and, and its, its internationalism than, than any city in Texas for sure. And so it has a, an element that is influenced by all those different cultures that give it a little bit of a more, a more chic international design element. Where, where Dallas is a more conservative city. And so you see uh, a lot of cutting edge modern design because the art scene there is decidedly contemporary. But at the same time, it has um, like a thriving transitional market that I think is among the best in the world. I mean, that Dallas transitional design is, is spectacular. Um, San Antonio is a, sm a much smaller city than the population would infer. And, and there you see real classic, beautiful, quirky, old school work happening in, in places where some of these neighborhoods and mm, homes are becoming um, the new icons of the city as it grows, which is beautiful work. We've been able to participate in some of those things. And then, and then obviously Austin is your, your next market where we talked about it, you know, pretty extensively, but here you have a little bit of everything because a lot of people from those cities have places here and they come here. Also, we're being incredibly influenced by the migration of people from California 
that are leaving um, California for some economic reasons, cultural reasons, um, lifestyle reasons to live here. And so they're bringing kind of a California casual element with a Texasity to it that I think is permeating the design work here. And, and then, and then like the, the rest of it is really interesting because they are um, cutting edge ranches done in the middle of nowhere, like in the panhandle where you find these unbelievable places yeah. or in South Texas where somebody says, we're going to put a, a hunting retreat. And if you walked in the place, you're like, I, I, I don't even know where I'm at. This feels like the Serengeti and it's the most spectacular building. Or as we've been fortunate to be a part of, you look at Marfa and you look at what Douglas Friedman's done out there and the collection we did together and, and that type of movement, it, it feels like what's happening in the cities, I mean, is interesting. And then in these little pockets of areas that are, whether they're Blanco in the hill country or Marfa or Round Top or other ranches, or even some of the, the rolling hill countries that is out between um, Houston and Austin and like the Columbus and LaGrange region, beautiful places being built out there that are, you know, getaway weekend places that the state's so damn big, you can never really embrace it all and learn about it. Fortunately, it's getting published a lot, a lot but, you know, I, I just, I, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed by it. And it's, um, it's, it's really diversified. The, the diversity is, is, is really incredible. It, it is. And, you know, I sort of go back to where we started with the idea of the design house, because I, I feel mm -hmm. like the design house is, is the equivalent of the auto show, you know, for the industry, uh, mm -hmm. for the auto industry, you know, where they get yep. to showcase, here's what's coming, here's what's now, here's what's next. And you get to see things that you wouldn't ordinarily get to see. And you talk about Dallas and sort of, it's interesting because having lived there, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I feel that, so right now, especially this year, it's so special to me that, that there are still design houses and a lot are still happening without, without a choice. It's like, we started this, you know, you can't stop this train. It's just a matter of how we're going to do it. So in Dallas, I'm talking to a number of, of the designers who worked on, on uh, Kips Bay. And, I, was, and I, I can't wait to see it. But one of the things I saw was uh, the garden within. And... I was just, I, I was kind of stunned by, by this room and I, and I can't wait to, to talk to the folks at the studio about it. Um, and, and what I wanted to, you know, specifically talk to you about is your product. And it seems to me like you have exponentially increased the, the innovative energy behind what you can do with the material that you work with. It's just, mm -hmm. it's stunning to me. It, you know what it reminds me of, Kyle? It reminds me of the, um, you know, every year the Rose Parade in Pasadena. You know, you see things that people put together with just a, you know, a series of flowers and seeds and, 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 and shrubs and greenery. And it's like, that can't, that can't be, that can't be flowers. Those can't be roses. That can't be, it just can't be um, because of how spectacular it is. And I see what you do with the materials that you work with. And I wanted to ask you about the, the innovative process, the creative process, the, the, you know, how, where, when you go about looking at new ideas and then figuring out how to put them together. Do you have a process for that? Or does it, does it just sort of come within the studio series of designers? You as, as how does it work? Yeah, I, I um, um, I am uh, going to uh, at moments plead the fifth because I don't <laughs> want to divulge the process, but I'll go kind of high okay. level for you, but okay. no, right. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of kidding. It's like a, it's like our great state secret, right? But okay. um, no, it's it's actually you're gonna you know you got to tell me uh, you know Kyle I'm I'm gonna hit the stop being a geek button, okay? I'm not moment. gonna do that. I'm but, not gonna do that. Okay, well, I'm just telling you <laughs> if you need to just just do it because this this kind of gets me all turned on, right? All right. So I'm gonna go back to my background. So my father was the first person in either of my families to graduate from college. And 
he ended up becoming a consultant for a company called KSA that in the time in the, in the Southeast, when they still had textile mills, cotton was king and there were textile factories all over the Southeast. He started consulting factories and kind of was like a financial slash engineering slash entrepreneur guy. He really could understand how manufacturing worked, the economics behind it, building teams, production efficiencies. This was the specialty of this company. So he looked at thousands and thousands of mills and helped them refine their processes. My, my mother, her mom was a painter. Her dad was a handmade furniture artisan who had a small company with like 10 or 15 um, people in it. And they made furniture. They did um, uh, custom cabinetry. They really were artisans, made grandfather clocks, you know, all this kind of stuff that could be made out of wood. So when you kind of look at the DNA of Kyle, you're kind of like, well, you got this, you know, you got this creative side that my mother's side had, a very creative, you know, engineering, you know, kind of business side that my father had. And then somewhere, the joke has always been, and then somewhere like a game show host snuck into the mix and put, you know, a third of the DNA because I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit comfortable in promoting my business. But what we do, that background's really important. So what, what we do is we basically start with a design idea, be it custom with a designer that turns into a collection or custom with a designer. They just want us to make a rug that looks like, um, you know, the face of a gorilla. I don't know, make something up, right? Whatever, whatever we do, it starts with some form of inspiration that says, this is going to look really, really beautiful in our material. And, and I think it's a great idea. Okay. An example would be we have a collection launching next spring with uh, Timothy Corgan, just a little promotional drop there. And, and it's a bunch of European-inspired classic designs, right? Swap Affair, Art Deco, Polonaise, Florentine, all these interesting classic European-style, lacy, um, beautiful traditional patterns reinvented in hide. It's going to be spectacular. I can't wait to bring it out. But it's like for, uh, for Tim and I to have the conversation to go, wouldn't that be beautiful? And we both see it. That's where it starts. The second thing that happens is we go, okay. And this is where we get a little geeky, right? Second thing is where we're like, okay, we draw it digitally because we're using a piece of material that is limited in the size it can be partly because if you use a whole bunch of little pieces, it's too hard to build. If you use a bunch of big pieces, it doesn't have any dynamicism. If you design it with a really big piece, well, there's a natural constraint to the size of the leather, right? I can't do a negative space area in hide that is like one piece of hide that is a 10 by 12 rug. It doesn't exist. The, the, the natural material is not that large. So we have to take the design and modify the design with pieces, kind of like a puzzle maker, that can look interesting and bring the design idea to life. And that kind of special sauce on the, what I like to call the design engineering part of our business, is really what allows the work to be translated. And so that what, what I feel, and, and this is not braggadocious, it's just genuine, because I, I see it with clients, what I feel is I can't remember the last time I made a rug that somebody said, if you had made these pieces just a little bit different, it probably would have looked better. Nobody ever says it. They just step back and go, you guys nailed it. We're really good at that. So deciding how to use the pieces as a puzzle maker to make the design that we came up with first come to life is kind of the first big phase. What happens second is where I get real nerdy right? Because all of our leather is digitally inventoried, meaning a 60 square foot hide is scanned in and it says it came from this tannery on this date, it's this color blue, and it's this big. And so when we go to make the rug, we go to the inventory and take all those little pieces and plot it against the hides and say, hey, we only need 10 square feet of those blue triangles. So use that half hide that is left over from that job we did two years ago. So 
we have this incredibly efficient um, digital system of allocating the leather to the jobs very efficiently where nobody has to go out in the warehouse and go, I'm going to go through all the hides and see if there's enough. It's really very, very sophisticated um, technology that helps us kind of do that. And so how we determine what leather we have and then cut it and then like label it and organize it. So when it goes to our teams, which this is what I don't talk about, and they actually build the carpet itself and assemble the pieces and then finish it so it becomes a finished rug, it is laid out so the artisan can choose the pieces, trim them, pull them, move them in different directions. So when they're given a big area full of brown triangles, they can move them in different ways and they can focus on being the compiler of the product and the artist to make it look like a Kyle Bunting. And then once they're finished, we, we, we detail it, we clean it, we edge coat it and we photograph it in our studio and then we pack it and we, we get it to our customers. So that, that, that process of kind of saying, what are we doing? How do we engineer it? And then how do we turn it into something functional that by the time you hand it into the artisan, he has all the tools he needs to say, okay, I'm putting this together and I'm going to make it look right is really the, the essence of what we do and why designers, they, I think they really like working with us because they can just bring us a drawing or an idea and say, bring this to life and know that we'll get it right every single time. And no, that was not too nerdy at all. Uh, and I appreciate that. And you know what, you know what I also, um, the, Cal, the moment you said it, I just had one of those like, oh man, I can't wait to see it either moments when you mentioned Tim, because uh, Timothy Corrigan, Tim is one of those guys. He's one of those designers that I admire greatly. I've, I've spoken to Tim so many times. He and I have known each other for, for a long time. And one of the things that I love about him in particular <clears throat> Tim has a, this is his second career and, and his background is, is on the yep. business side of things and on the marketing side through, through his work at a global advertising agency. He understands that unique sales proposition so well. He understands the meaning and purpose of brand. And when you talk about someone like Tim, who has meticulously manicured, crafted, built, and developed his brand and his, his style. That doesn't mean that, that I, I mean that he's, he's not specific to one thing, but if you, if you see a design that, that Tim has worked on, you can see the through lines, you can see the fingerprint, you can see the DNA of his talent within the design itself. And that's a rarity. Uh, that is a, that's rarefied air. That's a very special thing. And when I think about Kyle Bunting in collaboration with Tim Corrigan and specifically, you know, then you start thinking about, you know, European styling and in, in that material. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm giddy. I, I, I really, I'm excited about that too. And I can't wait to see it. And I wanted to sort of back up a second and, and talk to you about the partnerships that you have with designers in particular and because it's such a it's such a collaborative process when done correctly you know it's not just sure. about it's not just about you know let's see how many designers we can bring in and you know the the idea of the the brand ambassador is not a new concept but i do think it's it's relatively new to the design industry um mm -hmm. And well, let me, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you, you know, comment about that. Yeah. I know you exactly know what you're asking about. Yeah, I do. It's, it's interesting. You know, we've done collections with a variety, um, um, uh, of, you know, designers, right. And, you know, all of them have a different story, but I think it goes back to this, this statement about, the show house you were asking about that we did with Christopher. And, and these are kind of the lifeblood 
of the industry in, in the sense that they are like an auto show where you kind of get to show off, right? And, 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 and bring out the spit polish and say, hey, look, look at what we can do and, and let your brand you know, thrive for people that are interested in design and, and, and clients. But what we learned a long time ago, and Chris is kind of the microcosm of that, is that finding people who not only have great vision and talent, like Tim Corrigan, but that you engage with well and who have a distinct perspective on what they want to create. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. You can cre- create it with. Yeah. I, I apologize mm-hmm. for interrupting you, but I lost sure. you. I lost you. And okay. so I was, I was sort of hoping that maybe you would go back to where you started um, at, specifically at the design house. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Ask me that again. Yeah, so I lost you as you were you you were referencing back to oh at the design um, house yeah back yeah. to Christopher yeah please hmm. yeah I'll start over because you're gonna edit this anyway right I'll edit this part for sure yeah but this part for sure okay the other stuff's pretty good all right so um, here's the thing I mean it's like going back into this comment you made about the design house with Christopher you know show houses are the lifeblood of the business they are a lot like auto shows I love that analogy. They're where we really show off as designers, and and it's where you develop a relationship with the designer to do a unique space that is completely the vision of the designer and the manufacturers that participate, not um, another third party like a client and their particular need or interest. Right? What we've done is, you know, we have our own in-house designs and our custom capability that are, you know, if, if we want to say ours, those are ours, but, but all of that work was done by partnering with different designers project by project by project to see how they would use our work. I see designs from that we have been selling for years and I'll walk through the studio and I'll see a new colorway against it and it'll just stop me in my tracks. I'll be like, we haven't done that like that before. And they'll say, yeah, that's for so-and-so in XYZ market. And it just inspires me again and again and again to see how different designers look at individual projects. But what I think is part of your question, which is, is, is equally interesting but happens in bigger bulks, it's like this thing with Tilm, is connecting yourself with a designer or an artist or a photographer or some other outside creative person to come up with a collection of designs is about a a shared vision and about a relationship and about collaborating on a much deeper level than the one-off design, right? So, you know, I've done collections with Jan Showers. I have a collection with David Rockwell. Um, I've done collections with, I've done a collection with June Ho. All of them have been incredibly successful and have been running for years and selling and, you know, all that, and, and have been a, a real benefit to the business. We're doing this thing with Tilm next year. We have our own in-house collection coming up in early part of next year that is like an Americana-themed work that is kind of taken from quilting motifs, both traditional and contemporary. It's going to be really interesting, I think. But that those deeper relationships with designers where you create a collection really requires both parties to get really deep. Um, the best example I have is kind of the most recent one is, you know, Atlas, which we lost, launched at the beginning of the year, which was Douglas Friedman, the design photographer's collection for Kyle Bunting. And Douglas's process, I mean, it took him two years to really arrive at what Atlas was. And it was a series of drawings and ideas and inspirations back and forth where, you know, he was thinking this and then I was kind of moving it this way. And then he'd send me that and I'd say, I love that, but I can't build it. It's too many little pieces, you know, whatever it was. When we finally landed on, you know, what Douglas had, what Atlas became, uh, my memory, and, and I think I think Douglas would say this is true, but I remember Douglas on a flight with like drawing paper 
and doing little circles and bars. And, and he came up with this deco drawing and he was taking pictures of it and sending it to me and being like, what about something like this? And I'm like, that's amazing. Never seen anything like it. And, you know, for me, I had gone with him to Marfa. We had spent time in the house. We had been here in Austin when he was shooting projects. And we really had to get to know each other so that we could get the DNA of what the design was going to feel like into the collection or it wouldn't have been authentic. I mean, if, if, if I wanted to do a collection with um, Namal and they just emailed over some patterns and said, what do you think? And, and they were great and we published them and they sold well. It'd be fine, I guess, as a business person. I'm not so sure it would have the legs that some of this other work has because there's less authenticity to it. And I, I think I'd rather do, I'd rather do these more meaningful um, couture collections where there's, there's something behind it more than just the work so that it, it translates into the material and the DNA of the business and the brand and what we do. And, and, I, and, and, you know, what I try to do with my team is say, that's what we do on a, on a high level all the time to create great product because there's nothing without the designs. But as a, a, a marketing person or a, a customer service rep or a salesperson, when you engage a client, a designer, whoever they may be, engage them with the same passion of understanding exactly what they're trying to do what it means to them and the client and, and take that to a five foot round rug or a 400 square foot rug. Either way, take the same ethos to every single thing we do. And, um, and I think we do that really, really, really well. And, and, and I think that's one of the reasons we've been successful. Kyle, you have been incredibly generous with your time. I greatly appreciate it. I'm, I'm so appreciative that you made the time uh, to talk to me today. This is, this is really great. I, I appreciate what you do and I, and I appreciate you. Thank you very much. You're, you're very welcome. And I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm grateful for the time and for the, uh, appreciate the spotlight on Texas design. I really do. Thank you, Kyle. This was so much fun. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Walker Zanger and Thermosol for your support. And thank you for subscribing and downloading to the show. Please make sure that you subscribe to the show so you can catch every episode of Lone Star House of Design and Convo by Design the moment they're published. You can also ask your smart speaker, just say, hey, uh, play Convo by Design. I don't say, hey, I mean, say, hey, Siri, or hey, Alexa, play Convo by Design. You get what I mean. You can also follow along ConvoByDesign.com and at ConvoByDesign with an X on Instagram. For show inquiries, sponsorship, and guest inquiries, email me, ConvoByDesign at Outlook.com. Be well, and until next week, keep creating. Mm-hmm.